Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. If you enjoy listening to Chorology, then I need your help. Here's why. I create Chorology by myself on a shoestring budget, recording and editing every episode in my tiny closet. How's that for irony? That's where you come in. Will you help keep Chorology on the air by supporting it financially? By tipping as little as $1 a month, you can help me improve and keep making Chorology every week. All you have to do is jump over to MatthiasRoberts.com support to make a pledge and listen away. Hey friends, this is Matthias Roberts, and you're listening to Queerology, a podcast on belief and being. This is episode 76. You show up with parts of yourself that don't look like them, and grace goes out the door, and justice suddenly needs to step in. Like, that's the start of the spiritual abuse. Marco Spammer is a South African actor, best known for his work on the South African soap opera, Sidooster. He studied musical theater and has been on South African screens since late 2012. Marco is a part of Life Choices, which is a Cape Town-based youth organization aiming to invest in the local youth to tackle inequality, and he's been actively serving on their board as secretary. He's also a part of Simune, an initiative to feed and serve those living on the streets in Cape Town. Marco's passionate about social justice and using his profile and platform to create awareness for those who are marginalized. Uh, I'm really excited to have Marco on the podcast today. I've been following him on social media for years, and it's been it's so cool to watch him live as an out queer person of faith uh, in South Africa, uh, which we, we get into this conversation, but that's not as common in South Africa as it is here in the States. Uh, so it's so cool to see him living that out. Uh, before we dive into our conversation, uh, a couple things. At first, uh, a few weeks ago, my friend Sam Lamott came up to Seattle and uh, we sat down and recorded a really neat conversation for his podcast, How to Human. That episode just dropped today. Uh, so, so if you're not already listening to Sam's podcast, uh, it has had so many incredible people on it, like Brene Brown, his mom, and Lamont, uh, Mari Andrew, like so many just cool people. <laughs> and it's such an honor to be on that podcast. So if you want to go listen to that conversation, uh, head over to How To Human, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, support them on Patreon. Sam is doing such wonderful work in this world. Second, uh, near the end of this podcast, Marco lists out a bunch of books that has been really helpful for him all along his journey. One of the people that he mentions is Rachel Held Evans, uh, and Rachel has been a huge friend of me, of this podcast. She's been on the podcast. Uh, this last weekend, Rachel went into the hospital and is now currently in, at least as of recording this, in a medically induced coma uh, because of some brain seizures that she was having. She's in very serious condition, and if you are the praying type, I'd ask for you to join me and join so many other people in praying for Rachel. She is one of the shining examples of what it means to be an ally, uh, supported my work so much, uh, and 
So I'm going to include a link to um, a GoFundMe for support for Rachel and her family. Uh, she's two kids, her husband. So if you so if you remember to just include uh, Rachel in your prayers or in your thoughts and intentions, uh, she needs some right now. Okay, let's just go ahead and dive in. Marco, hi, welcome. Hey, Matthias. <laughs> thank you so much for staying up late and joining me. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's it's wild to me that we can be on literal opposite sides of the world. <laughs> wow, how incredible! Like I'm sitting in South Africa. It's 10 p.m. at night, and yeah. you're that side, and it's it's one in the afternoon. How crazy! Yeah, what a world. Yeah. <laughs> so to start, the question I ask everyone: uh, How do you identify? And then, how would you say that your faith has helped form that identity? Mm-hmm. So. I identify as a queer cisgender man, and I definitely identify as Christian as well. Um, so I am Christian, and how has my faith informed or shaped my sexuality and my my, my orientation? Um, I think it has played a massive role in my life, um, and it's been it's been part of the journey since day one. Um, I didn't necessarily grow up in the church, but um, but growing up Afrikaans, um, so our language and our cultures is Afrikaans. Uh, growing up Afrikaans and in a in white culture, um, it's Christianity is a big thing and religion plays a big role in our lives. And so um, you you go to public schools and public schools are Christian from the get go. Um, that's where they start, that's the basic and foundation of, of the schools. And so I was um, I was always involved in Christian circles and my friends were Christian and, and you know, we went to church every every now and again. Um, my mom wasn't, she didn't commit to one specific denomination or one specific church. She kind of <laughs> went as the Spirit led her. And so we were in and out of churches, but we weren't committed to to a specific denomination or whatever growing up. And so by the age of 16, 17, I found my way into, into charismatic church. And I think my experience and my experimenting or whatever with my sexuality started obviously in those circles as well because I I needed to know who I was and and who I wanted to be or whatever but at the same time getting to know God and getting to know my faith you know um and it, that was hard that was hard because because it wasn't a safe space right and so I'd say my faith went through stages um, with my sexuality. So, for instance, when I when I was closeted, um, my faith took on this very sheltered, slightly shallow approach or look. Um, I think it was noble. Like I think I I tried really hard. It was it was earnest, but at the same time, being in charismatic churches, everything is emotion based and feeling based. You know, because the worship song stirs you, and then you're being called forward and everything is high in emotions. And I think so that's that's where I started, but it wasn't very truthful, you know. And I don't know if you if if this was a big thing in the States, but do you remember the Wild at Heart book? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> very so, much so, yes. Like most men <laughs> uh-huh. most boys read that book. And so for me, I read that book in varsity. 
And I remember they, so I, the church I was involved with at the time said, listen, they're bringing the Wild at Heart camp to South Africa. John Eldridge will be there with, with his Ransom Heart ministry um, and, and leadership and whatever. So they're doing the camp. You guys are welcome to come. Please join us, whatever, on the weekend away. And so I went to this camp. I went to the Wild at Heart camp. And, um, and at the camp, you, it's a weekend of healing masculinity or father wounds and reclaiming manhood <laughs> kind of thing. And at the time, as a young boy, like you're so swept up into this idea, thinking, you know, this is what masculinity looks like. This is what Christian men look like, need to look like. So I was, I was in that space. I was caught up in that space and I spoke to a bunch of guys there and, and had them praying for me, um, and praying for my sexuality and, and praying for my sexual identity and stuff like that. So really desiring to be what they were selling, um, desiring, desiring to be, a, a wild at heart man. But then years later, I moved to Cape Town and I got involved in a charismatic church in Cape Town. But at the same time, I fell in love with this boy who I adored and, um, and he was also part of the church. So I had a, I had a lunch thing with the pastor and his wife and they just told me they were, they were like, listen, we don't think you can become a member unless you walk away from this relationship. And that was really hard for me. And I, I stayed for at least another month and, um, I started listening to podcasts on spiritual abuse and I realized like I was, I was caught in that. I was caught in the, the spiritual abuse of, you know, they want you to be there. They want you to be part of the church, but not all of you, you know? So I left, I left that environment. Um, but also knew at that time, like I didn't, I didn't want to walk away from God. So I walked away from that church, but I stayed wrestling with, with the Lord. And it was it was this unbecoming phase. It was this the deconstructing, the reconstructing phase of my faith, you know, to strip down to the bare basics of like, God, this is me. This is the most vulnerable me. And I desperately want to be with you. And I desperately want to follow you. But I cannot walk away from this part of myself. I knew that both parts needed to come with God and my sexuality needed to come with into the next phase of this journey, you know? And so I'd say the last three years of my life have been wrestling, praying, unpacking, unbecoming, reconstructing all of those really good, good and holy things, you know? And yeah, just as a side note for you as well, Matthias, like the work you do on queerology, like, I mean, that is, it has definitely shaped my 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 spirituality right now my faith right now like a lot of the podcasts i'd listened to you know they were they were definitely influenced or they definitely influenced my my journey now you know um so it's been incredible to to be a part of the show's journey you know queerology's journey um and allowing that to shape who i am today um and then the books that I read, you know, I read a bunch of books that I just went, you know, I need to wrestle this through and wrestle this out with God because I love reading. So I needed to, to be in that space. Yeah. That was mm. a long intro. Yeah. But goodness. <laughs> <Hello>. yeah. 
I, well, I mean, what a journey. Mm-hmm. Like, it gives it gives me chills to think mm-hmm. about just that, that process of how similar it sounds to mm-hmm. my journey, to so many others' journeys, and yet also mm-hmm. every single one of us. <laughs> like, yeah. It's so different. Hey, you, you mentioned spiritual abuse, and th- that's something that I actually don't think we've ever named on the podcast before, mm-hmm. but it's a thread throughout almost every single person's story. Okay. Uh, I'd be curious, like, as you began to kind of wake up to this reality of, wait a second, something isn't right here. Mm. What did that do to kind of your visions of the divine? And how mm. have you maybe come to understand God in in different ways as you've worked through the reality of like spiritual abuse happening? Yeah, I think I I allowed myself to be seen by fellow believers hoping that they'd they kind of welcome me and accept me the way that I've that I've found in God, you know? And it's interesting because in those spaces I find it so interesting, like the charismatic church and charismatic movement, they they try their hardest to be super relevant um and with the times and um and they want to do good work. And they're all about grace, right? So the charismatic churches that I was in, it was always about grace, you know, preaching about grace. <laughs> but then you show up with parts of yourself that that don't look like them and grace goes out the door and justice suddenly needs to step in, you know, and they bring things in like, yes, God is, God is graceful and God is merciful, but he's also a God of justice. Like that's the start of the spiritual abuse because you want to stay there for the grace and the mercy, but you don't want to walk away for the justice stuff, you know, or because of the justice stuff. You don't want to run away just because they're bringing justice. So you stay and you hang around hoping that hoping that the books that you read, um, the conversations you have outside of church and you bring them in, that that could influence or change their minds or at least bring some some form of honesty, you know. Um so I think for me, yeah, that was very the, the the spiritual abuse. I only realized it after that month, you know, like when I walked away. I realized, gosh, I was so desperate, you know. And I think so. What happened for me, just to like give an exact moment to to what I mean when I say spiritual abuse. So I had been part of the church, and as like in your preparation to become one of the the members or plugged in members or whatever you do this two or three week initiation program thing where every Wednesday night you meet the elders and you meet the congregation and you hang out and there's dinner and it's casual and it's friendly. And then after the two or three weeks on a Sunday evening um, at a service, they'll introduce you to the rest of the congregation and introduce you as a new member of the church. And so after that lunch I had with the pastor and his wife um, that evening, or so, I mean, I had the lunch with them on Saturday, the Sunday evening, they called everyone to the stage who was at the, at the two week initiation program, except for me. And, um, and I was left sitting in the pews. I was left sitting in the church 
while all of them stood up there, the rest of them stood up there being initiated or being welcomed into the church as, as now members. But I couldn't stand there unless I walk away from my relationship, you know. And I think in that moment, so two, three Sundays after that, I realized that was the moment that was the abuse because that was the moment that said, you're not welcome, like very clearly. And it hurt, you know, like it, that was, that was like the amount of shame and rejection that washes over you as you sit in the pew and all of them on stage know that you've been part of the initiation program and so why aren't you on stage? Because I only had the conversation with the pastor. So they could be, they could stand there and wonder why is, why is Matka not on stage? You know, and that, that leaves a mark. So, so for me, that was that. And I think the, the second part of your question was how did I find the divine or how do I see the divine now? You know, like how do I see God after all of that spiritual use? I definitely, I'm definitely careful to to go and find God in church, um, and so I try and find the divine in in every day and all around me, and in so many ideas and places outside of church. So I'm super passionate. I'm super passionate about um, finding God in different expressions of faith at the moment. I'm super passionate about finding God in different forms different people different colors different in the diversity right um because i know that that one building or the one place where where god was for me suddenly god wasn't there you know or couldn't only be there there had to be some it, it had to be somewhere else as well we were we were talking earlier and you were kind of talking about how in south africa there's not really a group of of queer people of faith um, at least organized <laughs> in the same way that we kind of have here in the states and, yeah. and i'd be curious what what has been like to kind of navigate those intersections particularly within south africa yeah so i was i was speaking to a friend today and it's so interesting that south africa was one of the first countries in the world who um who protected the lgbt community against discrimination um on sexual orientation and that kind of thing. So in 1996, South Africa was one of the first countries, you know, who put in legal um, policies. It said no discrimination against sexual orientation or, orientation or sexual expression and that kind of thing. And then also the fifth country to legalize same-sex marriage. So... I feel like I feel like the LGBT community is super um, protected in South Africa, like when it comes to policies and when it comes to the paperwork. But we, what we spoke about today was that that's not necessarily the case within the lived experience of the LGBT community, right? So, I mean, the policies are, are all in place and everything looks good in the books and and on the book. But when you speak to people. Um, especially I think people in the faith communities, there's a lot of, there's a lot of rejection and a lot of homophobia happening within those, within the more faith circles. Um, but I live in Cape Town and Cape Town is, Cape Town is a very liberal city and I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate 
because they're a lot more open-minded this side um, because it is, it's a big tourist attraction, big tourist city. So um, there's a lot of like uh, foreigners who live in Cape Town and it's, it's slightly more um, European than it is, um, than it is South African and what you would get when you go, you know, more up in, in South Africa to like Johannesburg or something. So I'm fortunate enough. Um, but when it comes to finding a safe haven within a queer faith community, that's the challenge. And I think that's the challenge that we're facing right now. And I, and I mentioned it to you earlier, like I would love to, to be a part of something like that, you know, to start a project or a community where, where people of faith can come together, but can also express their sexual identities, their sexual orientation, gender identities, their queerness, they can live that out um, within a very safe environment, you know? Yeah. So for now, there isn't anything like that. Um, but I am very fortunate to live in Cape Town because it is very welcoming and um, and we do feel safe. It's quite interesting. Yeah. And you, like you're a tv star (laughs) 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 a local tv star yeah like i mean you you have this this platform you have um you you act i what's it like you play a straight man right i do i do yeah i mean what's that like to 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 be kind of visible Mm -hmm. as a a queer person of faith Mm -hmm. i mean you're you're not you don't hide the Mm -hmm. fact that you're that you're queer or that you're a person of faith on i mean i followed you on instagram for a few years now um yeah what what's that been like i think i could i could be more vocal um i do think i i champion a lot of thoughts and ideas um but when it comes to my own sexual identity and and my expression i i think i could be more vocal i mean i've been in a relationship for the last year and a bit um but i don't post about it a lot um as i think i should because i think i think people need to see this celebrity or this tv star um who's also a person of faith um but who's also in a relationship with another guy like i think people need to see that more um, but the thing is like, so I'm on, I'm on this daily soap opera, which is an Afrikaans soap opera and, um, and the Afrikaans community, like I mentioned earlier, they're super conservative and they hold really strong to their ideas and their thoughts and, um, and to Christianity, traditional Christianity. And so I, I, I sometimes need to be careful because I'm protecting the, well, not protecting, but I, I, I need to keep the the channel in mind as well. And even though I know that, that the majority of people involved with the channel are queer people themselves, but the community that we serve or the community that we entertain are are not as open-minded. And so there's this tension, whereas you're very out and proud within your, your private circles and with it like family and friends and whatever. But when it comes to the general public, and fans of the show, um, there's, yeah, you, you're careful, you know, and my hope and my dream is, is to not be as careful, you know, um, and I'll get there, but I, but for now it's been, 
It's it's been great to open the conversations on my platforms. I think it's been such an honor and and a privilege to as an Afrikaans Christian boy to say, you know what? These are the re- this is the reality. These are the realities. Um and these are the conversations I am desperate to have with my fans, with the the fans of the show, you know. And so, yeah, like I think, I think going forward, I'd love to to be more vocal and and be more um, out there, I, I guess, because I've got I've got a great platform to use it and to and to share the good news of the gospel, you know. Um, and so, why not use that? Um, but yeah, I've been I've been fortunate enough to to be on this show for the last three or four years, um, and not being and not hiding. Do you know what I mean? So I didn't have to be on this show for three or four years and hide who I was. I just haven't spoken enough about it. But I'm definitely, I, I definitely don't feel that that I'm. I need to hide or I need to be sheltered or whatever. You know, which has been it's been a blessing. It's been it's been good. I mean, it, it sounds like there's some complexity there. Mm. The sense of of you're you're not hiding, and yeah. there's a real cost for then being more vocal, mm. and that's a bind. Like, yeah. regardless of what are what we want to mm. do, <laughs> there yeah. is a cost to then being vocal, and yeah. so things we have to wrestle with. Exactly. So the thing is, I wouldn't necessarily lose my job, right? Like, I wouldn't, right? Because the channel itself they're very supportive and they they wouldn't even mind it um i think the problem is is that people are so incredibly incredibly mean online that i just haven't i just haven't posted about it or i just haven't been vocal enough because of the meanness and so sometimes i'll i'll post something and i'll take the comments down i'll or i'll change the settings so people can't make the comments because I don't want hate to perpetuate hate or, you know, to play fire with fire. So um, I wouldn't lose my job. I just think I've just been too careful. I'm also um, <laughs> on the Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram nine. Um, so I just, I want everything to be as peaceful as possible. I do not want to rock the boat. Um, and so I'm just, I'm, I'm always super careful as to the kind of things that I post or say or whatever. But every now and then I slide into that eight wing <laughs> and, <laughs> and I post something crazy <laughs> yeah. and I make some noise, you know, and I think I need to, sometimes I need to challenge myself and say, you know what? No, today I need to vocalize this or today. I think especially when it comes to injustices or when people are being mean or unfair or whatever, then I'll take a stand. I usually do that um, because I, like I also work on a show that has the first um, Afrikaans Muslim family on the show, on the soap opera. And it's been so amazing as a Christian to to be on a show with a Muslim family um, and to see those two worlds, those two faiths come together in one show, entertaining South Africa, you know, and people asking questions and engaging on those topics. And so whenever something happens, so for instance, the New Zealand shooting, um, then I'm I'm very quick to say something or to to stand in solidarity with with my Muslim brothers and sisters because I've spent the last three years on the show with them. Um, and so, yeah, like I think, yeah, it's been it's been a blessing um, to be able to have this platform, um, especially when injustice happens, 
um, because then I'm vocal. But when it comes to my own private life, like I, like I'm careful, I'm careful because it's, it can become very intrusive and I don't want my partner to be attacked by cyber bullies kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that makes so much sense. And I think that that highlights that kind of intention that, Mm that so many of us have to navigate just in order to live our lives. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not even being able to live your life kind of in the same way that maybe one of your straight counterparts might be able to. No, absolutely. Because it's some sort of political thing, mm-hmm. yeah. which is just it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It is hard. But I mean, I've, I've also have such a beautiful support structure. Um, so family and friends and people around me have just been, they've been so supportive on this journey and they've been so present, you know, and, um, and we have a beautiful group of friends who, I mean, so many of them walked this journey with us, also changed ideas and thoughts and minds and were also challenged and who also moved away from a one school of thought to another and thought, you know what? Oh, okay. We never knew. And thank you for educating us or thank you for taking us on this journey and allowing us into this world, you know? And so I think that's the thing. And for me, where I'm at right now, and I always try and tell people to, um, when it comes to these really hard questions around faith, you know, whether it's Muslim Jews, Christians trying to come together, that kind of thing, or when it comes to LGBTQ um, questions and things, I think my biggest thing is spend time with people and wash feet, you know, Um, because that changes the narrative is when you actually spend some time with people, um, when you share in lived experiences. Um. So for me right now, like that's why I'm also careful with not posting too much is because I'd rather have you take me for coffee and then listen to my story rather than just seeing pictures or just hearing a noise, you know, I'd rather just sit with you and have coffee and, and have you wash my feet and I yours, you know, and me yours. So yeah, I think that's, that's what it's been like for me in the last couple of years as well is just to try and invite people into the feet washing um, and to sitting down and just listening, listening really well to conversations, I guess. Mm. There's something that's so powerful about people sitting together mm. <laughs> and exactly. actually, and actually listening to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think it can go the other way too. Like we can, yeah. we can get coffee, but there can be kind of that a wall there from the other mm-hmm. person. But when, when people come together and actually really, yeah, I mean, you're using washing each other's feet. Like mm-hmm. things change. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So I've I've been in this relationship um, with a Catholic boy, um, and that's and that's been difficult. Like that's been hard because there's a lot of feet washing happening, <laughs> and a lot of being present to happening. Um, and but I can definitely I can definitely vouch and say that that's been the healing part is, is the sitting down and listening and having these tough conversations. Um, I've seen so many of, of his people coming to the table and really listening, um, and really being challenged by gentle, honest conversations. 
and and our stories and that gives me hope like that that inspires me to to continue doing this or to continue sharing the narrative or whatever it's because i know that that the little moments of honesty in a in a intimate conversation that changes the game that changes the story completely um and so those mom- moments are important you mentioned a little bit ago that you like to read Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, I feel like you're you're constantly posting about books that you're reading on mm-hmm. your Instagram stories, and, and I'm always looking at your lists. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like I want to read that. Vice versa. I'm curious. Like, what are some of the books that have been most impactful as you have kind of been on this journey? Mm-hmm. Like, who are the people you're turning to uh, for for reading for for wisdom? Yeah. Um, this I is think, a selfish question. No, 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 no it's good. Um, so for me, I think with with the wrestling of faith and sexuality and the inter- intersection of, of of those two worlds, um, the last two years, um, a few books. I think there are definitely three books that stood out for me, and um, the one was "Boy Erased." I don't mm-hmm. know if you read that. Yeah, I did. Oh, I how wept beautiful! That book. Oh gosh, yeah. broke my heart. I haven't seen the film. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? No, okay. I've. I meant to, but then I've never quite worked up the courage yeah. to go to go yet. Yeah. Yeah. I need to see it like alone in my room, basically, is what yep. I that's how I need to watch the film. Same. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I read the book, I loved it. Um and then also Colby Martin's um Unclubber. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um and that was really good for me. Um I also read is it is it Mark Achtermeyer? Um, the Bible's Yes to Same-Sex Marriage. I don't know if you read that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have it on my Kindle, but I don't think I've read it yet. Yeah, yeah. So I read that one. I mean, these are all, I mean, they're not they're not Pulitzer Prize winning books. They were just books that showed me a different way. And I mean, Oprah, I think Oprah said this. She said um, she always knew that there was a life outside of the life she had because she had read about it in the books because um, she grew up reading a lot. And um, And for me, that was the same. I knew from reading that there was a life outside of the one that I had lived and um and I could take part in that life and I could have a life outside of this and so for me reading and clubber or the bible's yes to same sex marriage was it wasn't winning or award winning material but it was life changing words you know and and books that allowed me to see a different way out um I think two books that changed me or that were really important for me in the last two years um, was Becoming Wise by Krista Tippett. Ugh, Did you yes. read that? Oh, gosh. No, but I love her so much. Oh, my <laughs> word. That book. Like, I want to read and reread it every year because it it feels too important to to not pick it up again, you know. I loved it so much. So, I love Becoming Wise. And then, surprisingly, I absolutely, absolutely adored and it did something to me personally again it, i think it, it it might not be the best book in the world but it's so personal for me but um love warrior by glenn and mm. Dora melton right yeah. <gasps> that book oh man again it's, really? a, it's a book i would i would definitely pick up again i just think because of the raw emotional vulnerabilities like i think she was just so completely vulnerable in that book um and i mean things with what's her partner's name is it abby or yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. things with Abby obviously only happened after the book, but even in the book itself, it was just, it was so honest. And I love the way she lost a lot and the way she found her way. Uh, and the, yeah, the way she found her way back to God in that book. 
and the way God looked at the end of it. It was so different from what most of us grew up with, you know. So I absolutely loved loved that book. Um, I think two books that were important for me on my faith journey were, um, or my church journey was Out of Sorts and Searching for Sunday. So Rachel, Rachel's um, Searching for Sunday and then Sarah Bessie's Out of Sorts. Oh gosh, those two, yeah. incredible. Oh, so good, and I'm like, I'm, I'm literally like writing notes right now. Yeah, <laughs> realizing like I need to pick these books up. You have yeah. to. They're so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Those are so, great. So I know there are people who listen to this podcast who who live in South Africa. I, I'd be curious what you would say to other people who who are in South Africa who are looking for kind of this community or looking to you as a role model as someone who who isn't from the U.S. because so much of this is localized here. Um, when really, like, I mean, you're you're a role model in South Africa. Yeah. So how how do they hold on to hope when the resources are so f- few? I think in South Africa, you know, like I think there's intolerance everywhere, and there's um, and there's injustices everywhere. Um, but I do think the kind of work that that Queerology is doing, and the kind of work that Evolve Faith and and the Reformation Project, all of those projects are doing, um, is so vital and it's so important. And I think. You guys are incredibly privileged to have those spaces. Um, for for people in South Africa listening to the show or who know me, but I'd say um, I'd say we they need to reach out to others and to me and find it within themselves to to start making the sp- the spaces safe to to find spaces that are safe and and make their immediate space is safe for others to come and sit there and have these conversations. Um, I think, like I said to you earlier, I'd love to be part of something like that. So even if it, even, even, even if that is my focus for the next year or two, three years or whatever, um, with other friends and, and people that I've spoken to, um, about this, then I'd love to do that. Then, then that will be my focus. Um, because I do like, I get messages daily. I get messages, um, every time I write an article or post something or whatever, I get messages and, and I see these people, um, I see them not necessarily engaging in faith circles, but they'll engage on these topics, um, and say things like, I wish I could go back to church or I wish I could, um, find a church that's like this, um, we we definitely have these churches like we have churches in in South Africa and we have churches in Cape Town who are um affirming and welcoming and they're very safe spaces and so myself and my brother were definitely part of a, a denomination or a church in South Africa that's or in Cape Town that's like that um and I'd invite people to to join us and and reach out to me you know to find these these safe spaces and I'll do my best you know obviously to to find safe spaces for them wherever they are, you know? So that's so important. And how can people find you? Mm. So I am on social media. (laughs) I'm on the gram and on Twitter and Facebook and on all three platforms. I'm just my name and surname. Um, So Marcus Palmer. 
Can you say that? Can you say my surname? It's Palmer, right? Yeah. How cool. Yeah, yeah you okay. did well. That's, yeah. okay. that's great. <laughs> okay. um, so yeah, just, just my name and surname, just Marcus Palmer on all the platforms and I'm right there. I'm always available and always open. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, thank you. This is this has been a treat. I, I I've so enjoyed following just following your work over the last few years, and so thank it's really so exciting to finally be able to talk. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad yeah. we did. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and thanks for reaching out, Matthias. Um, like I said, like I do find that that the work you guys do us like it's so important and it's vital, and it's definitely given me um, my my faith back, and it's given me. Um, a home again you know a safe place wow. which is really good um so i'm super grateful for this opportunity it was good chatting to you likewise thank you you can find marco across social media at marco spalmer he's always posting really thoughtful things super well curated like it's a delight <laughs> so add him to your feeds uh queerology is on twitter and instagram at queerology pod or you can tweet me directly at matthias roberts Queerology is listener supported. Join over 230 Patreon supporters and help keep Queerology on the air. Head over to MatthiasRoberts.com slash support and it'll take you right there. A really easy way to support Queerology is by leaving a rating and a review. Do that right in your podcast app or go to MatthiasRoberts.com slash review. As always, I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas of what you want to hear in the podcast or just want to say hi, reach out. I'll get back to you eventually. Until next week, y'all. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.